HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode of Cooking Issues is brought to you by Bob's Red Mill, an employee-owned company that has been offering organic stone ground products for decades. Their flours and whole grains are the highest quality and are minimally processed at their stone mill in Oregon. Visit bobsredmill.com to shop their huge range of products. Use Cooking Issues 25 for 25% off your order. The Heritage End of Year Fund Drive is officially on. Become a member today at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Hello and welcome to Cooking Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network every Tuesday, you know, like, you know, noonish, like, you know, to about one o'clock from Roberta's Pizzeria in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Joined as usual with Nastasia, the Hammer Lopez, and we got Matt in the booth. How you doing? Hello, hello. Hey, well. So this is the like next Tuesday is Christmas, no? Don't know. Uh, something like it. Christmas similar. Yeah, it's Christmas. It's definitely Christmas adjacent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Christmas adjacent. By the way, it uh, is Christmas on next Tuesday. Yeah, well, yeah, all right then. Well, I won't be here because I'll be Christmasing. Nastasia may be sitting here, grumbling. Break, like throw a brick through the window and show up. <laughs> Tell them that we almost got it. We almost got taken out last week. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so, Nastasia and I on the same day, like almost independently, got brain damaged by <laughs> concrete. Nastasia, more literally than I, so she's walking down the street. For those of you that don't know, Nastasia and I, when we're walking around the streets of New York, <laughs> if we're in a bad mood, which is, I would say. <laughs> Often, hundred percent of the time. Yeah, yeah at, at the very least, often. Yeah. Right. So, so Nastasia and I have this like years long ongoing thing where what we say is is that you're in the you're in the touch me mode, and what the touch me mode is is you're waiting for someone to touch you, so that so you can just go off on them. You know what I mean? And it comes from I was walking down the street. Did we ever tell the story on no. the on the radio? I was walking down the street one day, and there was this giant guy, and it became apparent after listening to this screaming conversation, what had happened was this giant fellow, this giant fellow had um, somehow, he, he, you know, had umbrage. That this somewhat shrimpier fellow had done something to piss him off on the street. Furthermore, this giant fellow uh, was, uh, you know, had just recently gotten out of prison... <laughs> And was on probation, and if he started any sort of fight, 
he would end up back in prison, right? <laughs> but he really, 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 really wanted to crumple up this tiny guy into a ball, into a bloody little ball, and, like, you know, bounce him around the street a little bit. So he was towering over this guy going, Touch me! Go ahead, touch, just touch me, please! Please, just touch me! So he could, like, so he could like beat the ever-loving snot out of this guy. And I've never seen a guy look so scared and so careful not to touch this dude. You know what I mean? So from then on, that was years ago, like, Nastasia and I were in a touch-me moment. So, like, the other thing we have is, Nastasia and I have uh, this thing where we have this, because, you know, we never, you know, we've been in business for a long time, and yet somehow, by the way, we're almost climbing out of the hole. Don't speak so loud. We have two two years and three months. Yeah, knock on whatever in the hell this terrible (laughs) veneer is. Yeah. Anyway, so like the the thing you know, Nastasia and I have given ourselves you know two two years almost to like get uh, by my fiftieth birthday to have us be in like kind of a stable good position business wise, (laughs) Uh, and we pretend that being in a stable good business situation will make us happy in other respects. But you know, probably not. But anyway, so anyway, the point is that uh, the other thing we have is is that. Whenever we like slip on something or like something hits us and we're damaged, like we imagine that if someone were watching the videotape on the security cameras, that as we were about to get like like intensely and permanently mutilated on the, somebody else's property, yeah, that you'd see this giant smile go across our face, and we're like, "We own this behind," and just like slipping, <laughs> like as we're in the air about to get crumpled. Anyway, so. Nastasia had a moment like that <coughs> where a concrete masonry unit was, you know how like here in New York, what they do is, is they, when they're building, they do dem- demolition, they install a chute on the outside of a window and then they put a dumpster down below and then they cordon off the whole area so that they can just hurl crap out the window and it slides down into, into, the, into the dumpster. Well, the guy upstairs was like, who needs to wait for the dumpster? <laughs> Who needs a shoot? And just threw a CMU unit out of the out of the window, and it lands like you know inches, like a, like less than a foot yeah. from the side of Nastasia. It was like Nastasia was like instead of saying I could have been killed, it was like why couldn't it just have grazed me? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like couldn't it have just hit me a little bit? That could have been big money. Big yeah. money, and like, you know, and, and with the anger, she could have had a righteous <laughs> anger. Like, Nastasia's main goal in life, uh, again, if you come in New York and you go on the trains, they have oh, this, yeah. If, <laughs> if you go on the trains here, especially on the L train, which is the train that runs between Brooklyn and, uh, you know, between Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and, you know, uh, 14th Street, Manhattan. Right, it's like hipster central, and also a lot of bartenders. When they work, that's where they go. So anyway, you're in this tunnel for a long time, and you're going under the river, and that's when the guys come out. It's showtime! (laughs) And then they get and they do their little parkour moves on all the all the you know the banisters and stuff, spinning around like almost kicking people in the head. And Nastasia every time is like, they're gonna kick Dave in the face. They're gonna kick Dave in the face. So Nastasia makes me go in the center where they always go, because her goal is A, to get me kicked in the face, and B, to see my reaction. When we, li- when we worked down in Eldridge Street, her goal in life was to get hit in the face with a loogie so that she could lose her mind. This is just a little insight into like, you know, how, how we operate. So the same day that Nastasia almost got killed by a concrete masonry unit, I, for some unknown reason, strapped on my bike helmet early 
Without being on your bike. Without being on my bike. You know, which is a goofy look, by the way. And then, and I was doing a bunch of stuff, and I whipped around as hard and as fast as I can. For those of you that don't know me, I walk hard and fast. This is why I almost, this is why I had to go to the hospital when I was in Spain walking into a glass yeah, yeah, wall, yeah, because yeah. when I'm walking, it's with purpose. Right, Nastasia? So I smash, smash my head into this concrete wall. And I was like, and I, but I have a helmet on. If I didn't. There would be no Booker and Dax that day. There would be no Booker and Dax that day. Anyways. Sounds like you should always wear the helmet. I know. I'm that kind we of both guy. Should. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Do you think Nastasia could have picked the unit, like in anger, picked oh, the unit back sure. up and thrown for it back to him? Sure. If it grazed me. So for I'm those deaf. of you who, have we talked about the legend of Baba Deep Singh? No. On the radio? No. So <laughs> Baba Deep Singh, the Sikh hero, is like a character that I freaking love, right? So, the, you know, the Sikhs are well-known ferocious warriors, and they have these like giant huge very heavy swords that you know and uh one of the one of these heroes his name was baba deep right and he was so angry he was like he was old i think he was like in his 70s in the legend right and this group of people comes to you know uh take over some territory or invade or whatever i can't remember the specifics so baba deep's like i'm Really? And then he like he's like he's leading the army, he goes in with his giant super heavy sword, and one of the enemy dudes hits him in the neck and cuts his head almost some people say almost all the way off, and some people just say like all the way through, but holding on by a string. So instead of Baba Deep, this is where the Nastasia part comes in. Baba Deep is so angry that someone has chopped his head off yet he hasn't killed them all yet, that he uses the one hand, I'm assuming his left hand, I'm assuming he's right-handed, he uses, which, you know, assumption, I don't know, he, he takes his left hand and holds his head onto, his, onto the, the, the neck stump, takes the sword in the other hand, and kills everyone, and then after he kills the last one of the, of the enemies, then he drops his head and dies. Wow. And that's the kind of anger Nastasia would have. So if you ever kind of drop... If you ever drop something on Nastasia in an attempt to kill her, just make sure you're far enough away that she can't hold her head on with her with her bad hand while she's running after you with some sort of weapon yes. in her right. Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. So, uh, call all of your <laughs> Christmas, holiday, cooking-related questions to 718-497-2128. That's 718-497-2128. And while we're waiting, last week we had someone call in uh, about a uh, eggless pecan pie. And I did a little, I didn't bake one because I don't have any time. You know what I mean? I just don't have any, I, I wish I had the time, you know, maybe in a couple of years when we're happy again, I'll have the time to cook as much as I used to yeah, on the regular. Nice. It'd be great, right? <clears throat> Instead now I'm like caught in a rut of like quick cycle cooking. It's very hard for me to do research and long cycle cooking at this point in my life. But, you know, when I'm writing the book, maybe I will. Nastasia's giving me the air quotes, the laughing, and then the the universal. Um, You're never writing that. What do you call this sign in a nice way? Oh God, I don't know. Not, not a it, nice way. There, there's got to be a nice way to say it. The you're wasting your life self pleasuring sign that Nastasia likes to use. I don't use that you, all the time. You look you at me. You look at me with dead eyes, and then you're like, yeah, whatever, and then you give the sign. This is total Nastasia. Don't lie. Don't front, Nastasia. Mm-hmm classic fronter uh so anyways uh i looked them up and uh i was in conversations with some people over the twitter some people gave in some ideas some dairy-based ideas 
And I couldn't remember whether the caller, whether it was just an egg allergy or whether they wanted They were it. our trans listener. Yes, but I, I can't remember whether they wanted, uh, whether like the couple wanted vegan or just egg-free. I couldn't remember whether it was an egg allergy or whether it was, it was a allergy. vegan thing. I think it was egg allergy. Anyway, the discussion was that you know using an egg replacer that's meant for baking isn't gonna gonna help because what you're using here is you're using the egg proteins actually not just to hold kind of bubbles to hold air at eleven. You actually need to set something in a, in a gel format. And I looked at a bunch of um, because it's not common to have kind of egg-free non-vegan stuff. I looked up a bunch of vegan pecan pies, and lo and behold, yes, typically what they do is they use in some combination cornstarch. Uh, most of them, you know, some of the more complicated ones are more, you know, savvy ones are using kind of higher end starches like arrowroot or things, but they're using cornstarch and they're cooking it with a fat. So you could use butter, uh, and a, and a liquid. These guys are using coconut milk. You could just use milk if you're not going to go vegan and using enough cornstarch so that when you heat it and then bring it back, it cools and sets back into a custard once it sets. Now, the thing about this is... Uh, and it should be stable, so you could heat it a little bit again and, and, and stay stable. The, th the thing about it when you're doing these custard-based things with straight starch and without egg is you need – you can't just set it in the oven. You need to boil off your starch beforehand, before you bake. You need to boil your starch off to get it going because you're not going to get guaranteed to get a good custard otherwise. Also, you need to have enough fat in it, um, <clears throat> that the texture of it, because the, the fat is going to provide kind of the texture as it, as it cools back down. And third, you might want to grind up some nuts uh, or uh, other things to, to put into it, like fine, almost people put like a nut butter, and that should also modify the texture to make it a little more like a classic kind of pecan pie uh, filling. So for, ra and so for ratios, you look at any one of these things on, on the web. Just realize that that cook pre-cook step, the boil-off step, uh, step for the starch, is important to get it to, uh, to, to function properly. Now. I saw a couple of other interesting ideas. Some people mix tofu in. You know, you could do it or you could not do it. Silken tofu to add a little more body. I wouldn't because I don't think it's going to add what I want. Uh, a lot of people are, uh, added uh, flax meal. And what fla flax meal is snot. You know what I mean? So like, like hydrated flax meal is fundamentally snot. So I saw one recipe that didn't use cornstarch that just used snotted out flax meal and then mixed it with cracker crumbs. Like not graham cracker crumbs, but like bread, bready kind of. Bready, bready, bready. Bread cracker. Bready, bready, bready. But you, you used to watch uh, Buck Rogers mm. when you were a kid, but you've heard of it. There's a character named Tweaky who's this little robot, and he always walks around, biddy, 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 hey, Buck, like this. And he would just walk around, this guy Tweaky. So it was Buck Rogers, who was the guy, the, the, you know, the hot lady pilot whose name I forget. And then, and then, oh, and the other thing about Tweaky was he carried a doctor in the form of like, you know how Flavor Flav had that giant clock around him? So Tweaky, this tiny silver robot, had Flavor Flav style, this giant, round, almost clock-faced robot who is the smart one. So I don't know why if he's so freaking smart, he couldn't build his own body. He had to be carried around on this moron, Tweaky. So whenever like, I say something like bread or bready, 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 bread, I do it in Tweaky. Long explanation. Anyways, so uh, <clears throat> point being, 
crushed up the cracker crust, mixed it with, uh, you know, first hydrated the uh, flax. I forget what she used, coconut milk or something like this. You could use whatever you want. That turns the flax meal into snot. You mix the snot with the crackers. That makes kind of a gooey snot. And then you mix that gooey snot base into the, uh, into the bottom of the pie. And that's how she got the custard. So here's, those are the various kind of techniques. Some people dope with a little tofu. I wouldn't really go that way. Other people are making a straight, um, basically corn, eggless cornstarch custard. And so they're using fat, uh, like uh, a, milk, a milk or milk substitute and uh, butter or butter substitute is the fat uh, with cornstarch. And then making sure that you let it cool until it is cold before you cut it because you need that starch to set up properly. Uh, and pre-boil, uh, or this flaxy snot, or some combination. But I like the idea of mixing something in, like crackers, uh, smashed up crackers, bread, you know, bread crumbs, or bread, bread, or um, uh, like like nut nut paste or nut, you know, crushed nuts into that goop to get it to work. Because I remember, you know, the, the request was for goop, a layer of goop, not nuts all the way through. Although, as I said before, I'm a fan of both kinds of pecan pie. Nuts all the way through or goop. Uh, and Nastasia is one of those people who doesn't like pecan pie. Right. Which is absurd. Matt, you also were on the no pecan pie thing? No, 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 no. I just, I was at uh, a fancy dinner the other day at the James Beer House. Had the best pecan pie of my life. Okay, and what kind? Was it goop or nuts and goop? Or It was, it was a mix. It, yeah, there was a healthy dose of goop in there. But like a layer of goop only with the nuts floating on top? Correct. Yeah. And so what made it the best pecan pie? I mean, first of all, I don't eat a lot of pecan pie, so the standards are low. Um, second of all, it was I don't know I don't know what made it the best because I've never made one myself. Uh, it was just I mean it was just delicious. I have, I got nothing I got nothing, man. Now, yeah. uh, I love pecan pie. Uh, did you put whipped cream on your pecan pie? Nope. Ah! Oh my god! Well, first of all, there wasn't an option. Who the hell serves pecan pie without whipped cream? There was some fancy. Was it was there ice cream? Um, ice cream, okay. Ice cream is a semi-valid substitute for whipped cream on a pecan pie. Nastasia, you like pumpkin pie? Yeah. So, when someone has like Thanksgiving, what are the pies they bring out at the end of your Thanksgiving? Pumpkin. Just pumpkin? Mm-hmm. Just pumpkin. Or if somebody made something else, yeah. We usually have a fruity pie, a fruit pie, apple or apple similar, pecan pie, and pumpkin pie. And then everyone's like, I want a slice of apple. I want a slice of pumpkin. The correct answer is, of course, all three. I want a slice of all three. And then just like generous gobs of whipped cream across all of them. That's what I like. But I love pecans. I love pecans. Uh, and for those of you that, uh, you know, remember the years that we were working with hickory nut and then we never got a good supplier? Yeah. If you've never had, I would love to make a hickory nut pie. If you've never had hickory nuts... Uh, you are missing out. Like, if you love pecans, which, to me, pecans are one of the great nuts. I love pecans. But hickory nuts are even better. It's just hard to get shagbark hickory nuts because they're so hard to shell. Remember we broke all of those shellers? We were trying to shell it. Yeah. And then there was that guy in the nursing home who used to shell them. And then his... There's a guy in a nursing home who... I forget the guy's name, but he lives somewhere like Ohio or something like this where they have, like, a lot of the shagbark hickory trees. And... The guy, his only hobby was shelling hickory nuts. Can you imagine, like, watching Wheel of Fortune and, and, and shelling hickory nuts all day? You're like, I'll shell another one and another one. He could get, like, the nice big pieces. Because we used to just hit him with hammers and try to sleep away the, uh, the shells, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, this guy, he would do it. And then his, like, daughter or whatever would pick up these nuts and then sell the nuts. And then she would bring him nuts to shell. And he'd be like, Dad, how many you shell today? Remember? Yeah. He must be gone now. 
But that was an amazing deal. Like, you know, I'm giving some old guy a hobby and I get in the hickory nuts, you know, and making some extra money for them. Anyway, uh, if anyone has a good supply of hickory nuts, I would love that. But the solution that Piper and, and I came to was the old Native American uh, solution, which is they didn't like... They didn't like shelling these hickory nuts either. Yeah, but what else did they have going on? What the hell? <laughs> I mean, they were like, you know. Oh, uh, well, well, we'll talk about this in one second, Nastasia. <laughs> but uh, what they would do is they would pound the nuts with the shells together and make hickory uh, nut milk, which is very nutritious, strain it out and get rid of the shells that way because the shells don't add too much tannin to the hickory nut milk so you can extract a nice rich thick hickory nut milk without having the shells without having to shell them it's just you don't get to eat the nuts on, uh, as is you're using nut milks see what i'm saying mm-hmm. so speaking of what was going on back then what do they have i've just uh, just finished listening to this book i've been meaning to read for years and years and years called 1491 you ever hear this book no why are you banging your head against the microphone? The in-depth look at pre-Columbian America, right? Well, all of the Americas, yeah, yeah. So, um, so anyway, you know, and for a number of years, as, as I can sense myself, I'm going to go down this research hole. I'm going to dive into this well of well, research. Well, because you're going to be a re- in reenactment person someday. No, you think I'm going to be a Civil War reenactor. Yeah. You always think anything I do, you're like, he's going to become a reenactor. <laughs> Nastasia half assumes. I read a book about Civil War reenactors, by the way. They call it Confederate in the Attic, which is an interesting read. Well, think about this, people. For those of you that are Americans, like, why are there so many more people who want to reenact Confederate side than the Northern side? It's weird. And yeah. Confederate in the Attic is like the book on that, and like you know whatever. Anyway, so the also I have an announcement after this. All right. So the the thing is is and you've known for you know known for a long time or you know I've, I've been researching for a long time the kind of false idea that the forests when uh, when Europeans arrived you know the forests were relatively open and great for hunting and all this other stuff and so the theory is is that not the theory but like the the fact is is that the, the Native Americans who were here at the time used controlled burning and did a lot of um, work to create a very particular kind of forest that wouldn't exist in nature, right? And so one of the theses of this book, 1491, is that, in fact, the entire Americas, there was no such thing as wilderness. So, uh, like, a lot of the things that we associate with wilderness, like giant, 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 giant buffalo herds, or, like, giant uh, passenger pigeon migrations where, and you know, up until 1914 when they became extinct, Americans, European Americans, would eat tons and tons and tons of passenger pigeons every year because they're delicious. Uh, or um, mast-fed things like like uh, like the way pigs used to feed on mast, and mast is things like hickory nuts, beech nuts, and all this. That all of this was somehow bountiful nature. The fact that there was all these chestnut trees, like this is nature. Uh, even in the Amazon, that the reason that, that all the so many fruit trees, such a high density of fruit trees in the Amazon, is seen as a natural thing, and that we need to preserve this wilderness. And one of the tenets of this book, which is quite interesting, is that no, in fact, these are all human-mediated environments, and they only looked like they were natural because when Europeans came, the diseases were so bad that they caused a population cr- uh, crash 
that is like unprecedented in uh, in you know kind of new world populations, and so it appeared wild because all of a sudden now no more people were tending them, and still to this day certain places like in the Amazon still have the imprints of the human manipulation that was done over thousands of years. Interesting concept, and especially related to how can we get good food out of these quote unquote wild areas in the same way that in Spain you know the argument why is Spanish ham so good. Well, it isn't just, it's because they have the access to the dehesa, which is this protected, but yet human-maintained environment of uh, oak trees and um, grazing land. Uh, So anyway, so I'm probably going to next year go into some sort of deep well of research and not come up for a while, and Nastasia is going to berate me for it because there's nothing Nastasia hates more than me learning about things. Yeah, because you have so many things that you haven't finished. (laughs) Like Like what? your, Your book? I... That's true. This is all going in the book. Also, I can't no, write about that not. though. Yeah, that's but the thing not. is, that's is that thing. all I enjoy doing, the only thing I enjoy doing, is learning about things. Yeah, that's it. It's like that's my hobby. That's it. That's all I enjoy doing, like or foraging for food. For the past ten years, Heritage Radio Network has brought listeners around the world the most important voices in food and drink. I'm Matt Patterson, the lead engineer here at HRN. Six years ago, when I was teaching myself to brew beer out in San Diego, I listened to Heritage Radio shows for tips, tricks, and inspiration. Heritage Radio's programming simply would not be possible without the support of listeners like you. Become a member of Heritage Radio Network today and give HRN a strong start to our second decade. Choose from exclusive member gifts and stay in the loop on discounts to upcoming events. Now is the best time to show your support for HRN. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. On today's Bob's Red Mill moment, we're going to talk about sorghum, sorghum flour. So sorghum is one of the kind of what you'd say millets, which aren't really a real group of uh, things because they're not all related to each other. Uh, But sorghum is uh, a millet that is native to uh, Africa. In fact, it's one of the most important uh, staples in the world. We just tend not to use it that much for uh, human feed here in the U.S. You can also make uh, from sorghum stalks, you can make uh, sugar. Uh, so it's an interesting source of sugar and an interesting source of flour. Uh, it's high in protein, sorghum flour is, but it has no gluten. So it can be used in gluten-free recipes if that's interesting to you. Sorghum also has a very kind of cool taste. I really like it. So if you're substituting a portion of it into regular quick breads and or pancakes, it works very well. But I think a more interesting application is to do a traditional sorghum-only recipe. I've attempted to make uh, sorghum-only biscuits, and I'm not quite there yet, but I did do an interesting egg recipe, which I can talk to you about later, maybe in future, uh, sorghum biscuit kind of egg cocotte that I thought was interesting. But something that you can go look up online uh, how to make right now are jowar rotis. And jowar rotis are a traditional uh, Indian um, roti made only with uh, sorghum flour. And what you do is, is you have to use hot, hot water. So that hot water is going to get it to have the texture that you need in order to make a roti. If you don't use the hot water, 
uh, where if it doesn't kind of swell and pre-gelatinize a little bit the starch uh, inside of the sorghum, you're not going to be able to get a good dough that you can form into a proper roti. But then after you make the rotis, it's just salt, sorghum, and water. And these are the kind of applications that I really enjoy for kind of a different flour like this because it really gives you the opportunity to use something to its best advantage and not just as a substitute for wheat. So look up a recipe online for Jawar roti. And remember that Bob's Red Mill carries sweet white sorghum flour for all of your baking needs. Go to bobsredmill.com and use the code COOKINGISSUES25. That's one word, all caps, COOKINGISSUES25 for 25% off your order. Speaking of learning about things and doing things, um, well, one, we posted on Heritage Stories. All right, talk, let's talk about that. It's a day in, a Tuesday in the life of Dave and I. It was last Tuesday's life. She only tells me this after she's already recorded a bunch of compromising things. <laughs> yes. She's like, oh, yeah, by the way. Uh, there's a lot there's so, a lot of hidden messages in this. First of all, and, and I want everyone to know if they look at it, okay. right? I want everyone to know this. <laughs> I haven't looked at it and won't. Why, Dave? First of all, I lived it. Why do I need to go back again? It's like people are like, you don't watch food TV? I'm like, no. no. That's true. Like, why would I watch food TV? Yeah. I, you know what I mean? It's like, no. You know what I mean? And then like, and then the other thing is is that she's like, uh, she's insulted a bunch of people there. You know what I mean? But, but then, <laughs> Nastasia is like, Nastasia, for those of you, I've said this a million times, she'll sit there and push my buttons and then get me to flip out, and then she'll only hit record <laughs> when, during while, the flip I'm, out. Flip, while yeah, I'm flipping yeah, yeah. out. Yeah, there's a lot of that in there, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I want you to know that this is a false... No, it's not, Dave. It no, is. it's not. It's Come on. Not. Matt, you... <sighs> okay, second thing, everybody loves Wine Santa. And if you want a large format drink... At Dave's bar, coming out of the mouth of a wine Santa, email me. Okay, here's what I don't understand. How do we charge for the, it? They get a certain amount of this large format drink. And how for do I X monitor amount, that? Because the wine Santa stays at their table. How do I monitor consumption? Uh, well, there's like marks on the, on the um. What? How on the Cambro. Yeah, no, but if there's eight people at a table, they have to pre-reserve. So if there's if you eight want people thing, at a table, I can't. Well, 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 if there's eight people at a table... Jack's taking doing it, so... Hey, uh, also, but still, you know, it's the bar's responsibility. I know, but he's going to come to you with a plan. If eight people get it, <laughs> and then everyone else is like, well, I'd rather only... have something else, you have and then to one guy drinks the whole the thing. the wine Santa. <laughs> the whole table has to drink from the wine this, Santa. This is what That's the deal. Yeah, okay, well, you know... So I've email noticed... me if you want to only drink from the wine I Santa. I can't let... You know, someone you know do the full Jabba and just put their face underneath the thing. Well, it's going to be a Jabba low up alcohol. All the and I, now you just lost all your sales right there. It's going to be great. Plus, did you tell the story about the Santa reporter? Is yours anyway. We have wine Santa's I, uh, Please here. don't think that. So did uh, <laughs> if I was going to do it, I would have engineered it so differently. Nastasi is like, this is terrible. Did you see that this morning? Did you see that this morning? See what? Our, our guy, Chris, was like, I love points. Oh, our guy in Hong Kong. So, listen, listen. <laughs> anyway, look at our stories. Wait, I look at heritage that? stories. And Wait, we had something online, Santa. What was it? Uh, <laughs> Nastasia, first of all, is like, I don't really care. Nastasia doesn't care about the things I care about. I do. I wish you would just do it. And then I don't care about the things Nastasia cares about. What don't about. you care about that I care about? Wine Santa. There you go. There you go. Bing, 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 b
And so, like, wine gets in Santa's beard. No. I've tucked it into his coat. She trimmed... He cu- Who the hell wants a Santa with his beard tucked into his coat? Crazy person. All right. I think you guys should be mass-producing wine, Santa. It could be your next really big thing. So anyway, so Nastasia. Yes, then, I know. Thank you. I bet it would make more money than the Sears all. Nastasia, you guys want to get to retirement Dave. sooner. We do. Okay, Nastasia's like, this is our big money, Dave. I'm like, first of all, private jet money. First of all, no. <laughs> yeah. And then, how much are we making off the wine Santa this year? He's in his quiet phase. I'm gonna stab everyone. Everyone, <laughs> Nastasia knows more than anyone else that you're not supposed to use the word quiet. I know. Phase I know. With me. No, I'm joking. This is his. Um, this is. his... We're getting people excited. About so it. Plus, it doesn't work very well. So yeah, yeah, because I won't actually do the <laughs> design work on it. Can you just do it, it Dave? Please. The problem with wine Santa, for those of you that care about equipment, is this: Nastasia has purchased a pump that is not the best pump for this, right. and so the the amount of the distance that wine that Santa pukes out the wine it's up to six feet. That pump is related. Six feet is the head. You don't no pump terminology. That's that's the head it can push. Anyway, like the the amount of uh, force that the scent is right now related to how much liquid is in the unit. Yeah, so I wish you would help. And so you need to separate the liquid level from the pump velocity because you need to keep the amount of uh, total Don't liquid. Don't give away the secrets. There are no secrets. You haven't solved this problem. You know how to solve I it. I know how to solve okay, the problem. Just, future secrets, Dave. Please, listeners, write in to me if you want to see Wine Santa work well and have Dave make it. Work. I think. You love Christmas. Gonna, you love any Christmas. Belgi- any Belgians out there? Can I, any can Belgians? I point out one thing? Any Belgians? Yep. Phone has been dead all day, and you just started talking about wine Santa, and we have a caller. Do you think that's coincidence? I don't know. I'd rather have a mannequin piss. You know, you know please, mannequin piss. Please let it be something. Do you know mannequin piss? Yeah. The statue that yeah, urinates yeah, yeah, on the yeah, dynamite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, we have a caller. Caller, you're on the air. I would love to see a wine Santa at every table yes! at the bar. Boom. Sadly, I'm an idiot and I live in California. So uh, that's okay. But I think it still should be a reality. What, yes. what what part of California? I'm in Costa Mesa. This is Jeff Gibbon. Oh hey, where's Costa Mesa again? Where's that? Uh, it's like south of Los Angeles. Yeah. Okay. Do you watch BoJack Horseman and like it a lot? I I have. I haven't seen recent seasons, but yeah, yeah. first. I'm not really in LA. My, my theory is is that Nastasia Lopez is BoJack Horseman minus the TV show. <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that. So yeah, mean. she's the female version of BoJack Horseman. <laughs> I think pretty much. That makes me Todd, I guess. Anyway, so go ahead. You had a question. About wine Santa um, or yeah, just, Well, speaking of learning, uh, there's something I, I recently learned in, in my botany classes that I thought you might be interested in. Oh, nice. um, so with, in, uh, in the ground tissue of plants, there are three types of cells generally. And cholinkoma cells, um, the best example of those would be the stringy parts of celery that yeah. we hate. Yeah, yeah. Um, I and do hate the them. And as celery stalk, go ahead. I do hate them, I said. Yes, you're correct. Yes. So as the celery stalk grows, um, those cholinkoma cells uh, gets stronger and more rigid if the stem is exposed to a lot of strong winds or being shaken. So they, they continue to grow stringier, basically. And so my hypothesis is that if you could grow celery in a more contained environment without any strong wind, no shaking, no abuse, that you could, you could possibly grow celery with uh, smaller, less rigid, less bothersome strings. So huh. something maybe to try out. What about the like? Uh, what about the uh, the endive approach and like actually mounting it as you go? It would also probably blanch it. What do you think? You think that would work? 
I think it's possible, yeah. I think it, it would have a similar effect, just the more that you can protect it from needing that extra structure or even, even giving it support as it grows, um, the cell direction would probably then have less reason to strengthen those clinkum cells. See, you do need air movement because of transpiration and, and photosynthesis, but right. yeah, I feel like if you could, the so, mounting might work. That's this is the reason people to have an international space station. Why aren't they growing celery on that son of a Yeah, gun? there you go, celery on the space station. How long does celery take to celery. grow? Um, a few weeks, maybe like six weeks. See, this is something that's like, I, like I, if my tax dollars are going towards the they're International not, Space they, Station, they're not. They're not. <laughs> whose are yours? No, remember the roads we were on last week? What? Those crappy roads in New York. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, but my point is that they should grow some celery on that son of a gun. They are, you, are you going to test this hypothesis somehow? Are you gonna I'm, I'm going to try. Yeah, I'll try a few things. We can grow things in California. You're gonna do, but you have like one some, one small benefit. Yeah, yeah. So you're gonna have like a, do it indoor. You're gonna do some like hydroponic uh, celery there. Yeah, or just using grow lights and all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Instead of just growing marijuana, you can also grow celery without strings. There is apparently a British celery variant that is they call stringless, but I'm kind of highly doubting it. I doubt that. Yeah. I've used cellulase to try to break down those cells, and the any it, luck? It, it, no. It it must be it must be like slightly lignified or something. The strings must be more than just cellulose. It must have is are they? Is there any lignin in that crap or no? That's that's possible. It's just those specific colenchyma type cells. It's, you don't find them in a lot of other areas. It's mostly parenchyma cells, which are the fleshy part, and the sclerenchyma are like peach pit type woody cells. Um, so there's just a very specific type of kind of. Uh, Strong cellular wall cell, but yeah, possibly lignin too. How come they're not on the interior section of the? U? Oh, because those are interior parts of the. Is it's it is that a, lem, a stem or a modified leaf? Those things. They're stem. They're stem. Because they have yeah. What do you think of those words? <laughs> Awful. Especially sclerenchyma. <laughs> can, can you give the speaking of celery? Can you give the OG celery spec? Yeah, if I can remember, let me see. So the first trick is generally uh, you're gonna want to make uh, an orange syrup. So okay. uh, you know, look up. I can't remember off the top of my head, but look up the bricks or measure the bricks. You know, if you if you have uh, if you're doing fruit work, you'll have a refractometer there. Yeah. Uh, so measure the bricks of your orange juice. Make sure that you get a non-bittering orange juice, obviously. Um, okay. And take the orange juice up to 50 bricks. Valencia. Uh, yeah, wherever you like. We actually, yeah. uh, we use a naval cultivar and non-bittering, we just, huh. just luckily the cultivars that get shipped to us of navels are non-bittering. I know there are bittering um, uh, navels, but ours are not. Yeah, most of ours are. Yeah. Um, and so, at least I don't think. To what bricks? Uh, 50. So, okay. like up to syrup. And so then it is, um, uh, what was the, what did we use? We used... Uh, I use gin for that. I think I use gin. Sounds yeah. Like yeah. So then it was uh, the celery leaves, uh, and then uh, a little bit of uh, par uh, parsley uh, to kind of balance it out, right? Because uh, the 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 parsley adds some a different kind of green hit to it, and just if it's only celery, it's a little rough. And uh, America, you want to use the American style or what I call the American style celery. The Chinese celery will work, but it is, ha it is, it is a more bitter and has these kind of um, kind of uh, volatile notes that are like a little more kind of aggressive. So I do American okay. celery and a little bit of parsley. 
Uh, and if you do have to use the Chinese celery, then I would use more parsley. Uh, and then two ounces of the gin. That was tankery, I think I used. And then um, equal parts of uh, lime juice and uh, the um, uh, and the orange syrup <clears throat> and some salt. So I did, you know, you nitro. And are you nitro muddling that? Yeah, I nitro muddle it. You could blender muddle it. I've t tested it. It's yeah. fine. It's not as good. Um, so it, the ratio is, depending on how you do it, somewhere between a half and a half and uh, three-quarter and three-quarter for the two ounces, depending on how much kind of stuff. I think it shades closer to three-quarter than to half, but I can't remember okay. whether we spec it as three-quarter, three-quarter, keep them short, or whether we spec it as half-half, keep them full. But it's, it's really in the middle. Great. And no spinning, just, just um, blended and, and strained, or muddled and strained? Uh, yeah, so if you nitro-muddle it, you nitro-muddle it per drink, shake it, and then um, put it through a fine strainer on service. If you blender-muddle it, you – and it's just leaves, remember, not stock. And if you right. and if you blender-muddle it, you um, you blend you blend the, you know, the full drink together and then strain it before you shake it. Perfect. All righty. Let us know how it works out. All right. Thanks, Dave. All right. Will do. All right. Cool. Uh, all right. <clears throat> Did you hear that? What? He said he wanted a wine Santa at every table. Yeah, but how are we going to figure... Like, the thing is, is that having it at your house where you don't have, like, legal alcohol serving responsibility or too much of a legal alcohol serving responsibility... And you have to have four people. They all have to be drinking from it, and that's the rule. Uh, no, the thing is, you don't care about, like, the law... Or whether, like, someone gets Four overserved. Four people drinking a bottle of wine is not... It's not a bottle of wine. You can't run wine Santa off one bottle of wine. No, we, we turn them off after they've drank a bottle and of wine. And how are you going to monitor that? So, there's marks on the camera. So you need a, a staff person to sit there... I will be there. ...and stare at this freaking thing be like, you <laughs> drank too much! I will be there. I will monitor And then, plus, it, it can't be wine because it's going to get, like, too highly oxygenated. What are you going to actually put in? When Nastasia actually takes it's it out of places, she freaking loads it with vodka. People like it. It's not even chilled, people. <laughs> people. It's not even chilled. Nastasia has not done the basic research Dave, on how to get it right. This isn't my real job. So it's not going to make a lot of money. <laughs> no, when you start helping me, it's going to be awesome. Crazy. <laughs> so Kat wanted us to review some product. But we yes. have to buy it. How much does it cost? Um, it's not... Oh, wait. What do you mean? The Lee Press-On Nail Cheese Graters. Yeah. I think it's not real yet. That's no, not real? Yeah. So it's fingernails that are cheese graters? That sounds real gross. You know why? Because... It looks like... If you look like you're grating stuff with your fingernail, you, you're think, then thinking of the cheese as like the crap that you scrape out from under your fingernails, and no one wants to even think about fingernails when they're eating. Yeah. When you're eating, do you want to think about the crap that's underneath someone's fingernail? No. Like even slightly? No. No, right? I haven't seen any of this, and every word you've said has been horrifying to me. Right. And I told you the story about when I was a kid, and the chefs yes. just joked that he made the hamburger patties using his armpit, and I wouldn't eat. <laughs> what if we did a warm glug, and we could put the circulator in the... Like we did the first time we made Wine Zombie. Sure. Okay. That did, works. Have you watched, uh, have you watched the Christmas uh, Rankin-Bass things this, uh, this I year yet? I sent you a photo. No can do, Santa. <laughs> anyway, all right. Uh, we have one question. I'm going to get to it real quick. Long-time listener, first-time questioner, cooking issues. 29, married and male for the Hammer Census. Thank you. Uh, I have ordered a 7.5-pound uh, piece of bone-in T-bone that is heavy on the porterhouse side. 
uh, will be dry aged for 35 days when I pick it up. Uh, 30, uh, when I pick it up 36 hours before I plan to plate it for Christmas Day dinner. I'm wondering if you could tell me the best way to cook it and or prep it. My instincts say to sears all the outside, good sears all plug, uh, and put it in a bag with a little oil and circulate it till it's medium rare throughout. Drop it down uh, the temperature a bit at the end. Take it out of the bag, dry it off, season it, and finish it with the sears all again. But is there something I'm missing? Uh, my family likes their steaks done all sorts of ways, but I figure with this method I can cut steaks post uh, post cook uh, that suit everyone's needs. And if someone isn't happy because it's underdone, in quotes, I can simply fry it up in the pan to crisp it to bits. Uh, thanks. Also, buy your sears because Amazon says that they have enough for the year, but. I don't know. Yeah, so they're like, we're not going to order any more till March. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I'm not even going to make my Searsall announcements, but I will say this. We're out now of Spinzalls, right? Mm-hmm. But you can come to book... Uh, book you can come to Existing <laughs> Conditions and buy it. We have a couple in stock. We made a case. We made a case. We have a we have a small retail shop inside of Existing <laughs> Conditions. Uh, so this was, uh, That question was from Tyler Kleinow. Also, he works with Peter Schweiger. You ever meet Peter? I feel like... Uh, at Marble Bar in Minneapolis, and he says hi. I uh, hope you're well. Can't wait to visit. I, I love uh, my man Peter. Hope to see him soon. Anyway, so uh, on this here, so let's look at here. We Seven, gotta go. Hold on, I gotta answer the question. Nastasia. Uh, so 7.5 piece of uh, beef. I'm trying to figure out how thick that is. If that's like, is that, you think that's more than five? That's big, that's a big piece. It's like probably what? Like four inches? Something like that? Five inches? Something like that? Okay. Anyway. So what I would do is you can't just drop it a bit. If you sear it beforehand, that's good, right? Uh, but you can't just drop the temperature a little bit and then hope that you're not going to overcook it on the, on the finish because uh, depending on whether you do it, if you do it Searsall, the problem with just doing it Searsall in this case, if your family likes all kinds of doneness and if they want it in kind of kind of that roasty high heat way, you're gonna want to get some time. There's no way to trade. You can make the outside brown, but if you if you sears all it before and after, um, you're not gonna get very much of an overdone ring around the outside, and the fat part of it's not gonna render almost into that roast style like prime rib roast style crackling fat, which a lot of people uh, like. You could just cook the thing for hours and hours and hours. I would say cook it a long time, like eight hours or something like this. I would cook it at like, I would do 55-ish, like 55 for like, I would, I would maybe do it at 55. You have to hit it with a thermometer and see when you get up into like 54 in the middle and then immediately drop it and let it ride so that it's cooking for like, you know, eight hours at like, at like, stays above 50 but below 55 for like five hours there. Uh, and then pull it, I'd almost cool it almost all the way down, like to room temperature, do it the day before, and then just throw it in an oven and roast the bejesus out of it so you get some crisp crisping on the outside. And a lot of people kind of like it, I think a lot of people like it that way. You could also pre-warm it back in the bag up to kind of a middle temperature so that you know it's not going to be cold on the inside and then roast the hell out of it uh, on the outside. But as I've said many times, if you if all you do is drop the temperature a little bit on something that thick, you could also 
By the way, cut it into steaks and just cook it like a normal steak unless you want to present it whole. If you just cook it, cook it, and cut it into normal steaks, then you can do it as normal. But if you have a giant piece of meat that you slice through that's just super fast, sears all at the beginning and the outside, you'll get the outside to look nice, but the inside's going to be too uniform throughout. So just, just be aware of that. Did I answer this question? That's right? great, yeah. Got to go. All right. Happy, Happy holidays. Happy Christmas. Happy, Happy holidays. Cookies. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.